Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Uh, Welcome back, friend. I hope you had a good weekend and uh, enjoyed the incredibly hot weather. And uh, (laughs) as we move into the middle of August, it is typical for August, right? August is just a hot month. And so that's just the way it goes. Uh, For me, it was uh, kind of intense, not a relaxing weekend. My classes start up this week for Noble U. So I've got my first two in-person classes tomorrow. So just so you know, on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, before I come in to do the radio show, I've got two in-person classes. The, all my classes are an hour and a half. Okay, they all meet once a week. Uh, so two tomorrow, three on Wednesday, three on Thursday. And then we have a bunch of online students. Uh, we grew by 100% online. Uh, we were like at 30-some-odd last year when we first launched online classes and now we're uh, just past 70, so more than 100% growth there. So I praise the Lord for all that. And uh, the last segment of the show today, I'm going to talk about uh, education via uh, an incredibly uh, important article about an institution that I have come to know over the years, the King's College up in New York City, uh, which has canceled all its classes for the fall and is probably going to go under. Uh, so, so the decline of the King's College reflects Western civilizational decay. A very important topic, a really powerful article. So I'm going to get to that. And then also I'm going to touch on something that uh, not, not everybody, you, you might not want to hear this story. So that's why I'm giving you an advance notice and, and a heads up. Uh, it's about suicide and the suicide rates in America. So I'll let you know again when that's coming up. Uh, but that uh, can be a very, very obviously... Uh, difficult, hard subject. So I'll I'll let you know uh, so that you can uh, bail if you don't want to hear it, which I certainly would understand. Uh, squatters, um, mobs of of uh, criminals. You probably saw that when they went into a nice department store. I think the, I, I think the estimate now is they got away with like a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff. Uh, but squatters, a really wild story out in L.A., uh, a big oops today out of Georgia, the Georgia court that is looking into uh, probably the next Trump indictment. But I want to start with something uh, that certainly I hope we all are uh, praying about and, and perhaps want to uh, donate some money to. And that's, of course, the nightmare scenario out in Maui, the Hawaii fires uh, and then Lahaina specifically. Uh, but Hawaii death toll nears a hundred. There's still a thousand people missing. I'm reading just from any, any one of there's articles all over the place. So you can educate yourself. But thousands of buildings were destroyed by the fire in Lahaina, uh, which if you've ever been to Maui, you've probably been there. It's a beautiful area. My wife and I were there for our 25th wedding anniversary. That was, uh, what about six years now, 90% of those being residential structures that were destroyed. Search and rescue teams are still looking through the charred remains of scorched buildings for any signs of the hundreds of people still missing. Another report says a thousand missing. And now they're, they're trying to collect DNA samples. If you had family members that lived in the area that are missing, that will help them with identifying uh, remains. Just a, a horrific uh, sight to see. Uh, I think the worst U.S. Uh, worst death toll 
of a wildfire in the U.S. in more than 100 years. So we're going to pray about this together on the air here in a little bit. Just reading from the article, six shelters have been set up across the area with one shelter at Maui High School. Uh, Kahului being closed on Sunday. People staying there were transported to the South Maui Community Park Gymnasium. People across Maui and Hawaii are searching for answers as to what sparked the fires. There's no official reason as to what happened, but there is already a class action lawsuit that was filed in Hawaiian Circuit Court alleging that Hawaiian Electric was negligent essentially ignoring weather warnings and didn't de-energize power lines when they should have. Uh, Hawaiian Electric didn't uh, issue any responses to that because it's an ongoing uh, litigation, so we'll see. That would be terrible. Hawaii Governor Josh Green says he wants an investigation into how the disaster happened, obviously, and why people may not have been warned or didn't receive the life-saving information in time. They have a, 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 an island-wide warning system there uh, that didn't go off. And this thing moved quickly. Green, the governor, said that initially firefighters thought that the fire was out, but then the winds picked up to around 80 miles an hour and caused what he called a fire hurricane. That meant that the fire traveled one mile every minute, resulting in this tragedy, he said. With those kinds of winds and 1,000-degree temperatures, ultimately all of the pictures that you will see, will, will be, it'll be easy to understand. The search for victims continues, and in one case, a family of four was identified as victims. A whole family of four. I mean, this is... Unbelievable. That's why they're collecting DNA samples. And so there are uh, there, there are different ways. You may have heard this over the weekend. I, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to Jeff Bezos. I mean, other than the fact that he's one of the richest people on the planet. But uh, thankfully, he started a, a fund to help with rebuilding Maui and promptly put $100 million in it, which obviously he can afford to do that. But I, I thought that was appropriate and a well done, sir. Uh, and hopefully that helps. And one of the concerns in Maui is that there's a whole bunch of people that live there that have lived there for decades who could not afford to live there otherwise. They, they've lived there for decades. That's the only way they could pull it off. And so one of the concerns now, which is valid, is as, as, as Maui gets cleaned up, especially the Lahaina area, as it gets cleaned up, are you just going to have a bunch of uber-wealthy people sweep in and, and grab up all the land? Hopefully there'll be protections in place. The people that have lived there should be first in line beyond anybody else, especially non-Hawaiian residents. So keep an eye on that, and uh, and, and we should definitely be uh, praying for these people. And I know probably Samaritan's Purse is going to get involved. The Red Cross is going to get involved. Uh, you could. There's probably a number of ways that you could help that they're doing local. Th- I saw one thing uh, that the, the local government is trying to raise money to house people. Uh, just be careful where you choose to uh, send your money, but uh, pay attention to that. And, and as the opportunities increase, we should all uh, be involved with that. Let's pray for these folks real quick before we hit the break, and then we'll move on when we come back. Father God, we just come before you, Lord, and just want to pray directly for all the people that have been uh, have lost everything, just devastated, including family members and loved ones and friends as a result of this horrific fire. We just pray that you would minister to those people in a power and personal way to Help them experience some level of peace and some hope, Lord. Pray that your people will surround them uh, with encouragement and strength and be just good listeners, Lord. And just pray that the response from fellow citizens would be enormous. But we just pray for them as they suffer. And we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. Might pray about that again before we're done. 
But something wild happened in Georgia earlier today with respect to Trump. We'll talk about that next. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. One other uh, extra thing there on the wildfires in Maui. Thanks, Bill, for uh, throwing this up on Facebook Live. Uh, Many of you probably know Greg Laurie and Pastor Greg Laurie, Harvest Christian Fellowship, and maybe probably listen to him on the radio. I used to work with those guys. I've known them since 2006 when we did a big Harvest Crusade here in Raleigh in 2007. And then they uh, actually worked with another pastor. They have a church there. In Maui, really close to Lahaina, that's kind of the community that they that they serve. Uh, Harvest Kumalani is the name of it. Undamaged by the wildfires, so now they're working uh, to help their neighbors. And a lot of their members, obviously, got about a thousand people there, were probably devastated by this. And so uh, I'm going to reach out to Pastor Greg and see if we can get him or somebody from the church on. Uh, here in the near future, just to kind of give us an on-the-ground report and an opportunity for us to help directly. So I'll I'll reach out to them and see if we can't do that. But uh, a small little uh, praise there in the midst of that nightmare, and let's just continue to pray for the people there in Maui, especially in Lahaina, which is just devastating. It's just horrific. So earlier today, I've been... Uh, hold up all day working on just getting my classes started this week. But I was listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. They took over Rush Limbaugh's slot. And uh, early on in the show, all of a sudden they brought something up that uh, I think Clay Travis had seen on Twitter, which was a mistake. So this was uh, Reuters put it up. Georgia court website briefly publishes and then removes a document about potential Trump charges. The Fulton County Georgia Court's website briefly posted a document on Monday listing several criminal charges against former U.S. President Donald Trump that appeared related to uh, the 2020 election. The Fulton County District Attorney's Office said in a statement that no charges had been filed against Trump. Uh, Oops. Now, right now, they're presenting their case to the grand jury. Then the grand jury decides if there's anything that they say, okay, we think you have enough evidence to file the charges that you're suggesting. Uh, In this case, they already listed the charges. (laughs) The document was dated August 14th today, named Trump, citing the case is open, but is no longer available on the court's website. Reuters was not immediately able to determine why the item was posted or removed. The Reuters uh, Reuters report that those charges were filed is inaccurate. Beyond that, we cannot comment, a spokesperson for the district attorney's office said. A Georgia prosecutor, District Attorney uh, Fannie Willis, Fannie Willis, whatever it is, has been probing whether Trump and his allies allegedly sought to overturn the state's election results. You know about that. Uh, they, they were saying something. The two-page document cites, here's some of the things that are in there. Violation of the Georgia RICO Act. That's Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. RICO. Okay, that's, that's how they went after Al Capone. Uh, solicitation of violation of oath by public officer. Conspiracy to commit false statements and writings and conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, among other charges listed. The Rico thing is wild. <laughs> okay. That's but that's that's how the left sees Donald Trump. He he's basically Al Capone to them. And so the Rico thing's not out of the realm of possibility, but obviously they've they're stacked and racked and ready to go, and they just need to get the grand jury to agree with them which is probably going to happen. 
there in Fulton County, and then uh, then the official indictment will come out, number four. So we'll keep paying attention to that. By the way, over the over the weekend, you had the big Iowa State Fair, and then I, I reached out to my friend Steve Dace earlier today on The Blaze. He uh, was unavailable this afternoon, but going to try to get him on here in the near future because it depends on where you get your news. Uh, you could go to one source and said, oh, the, the Trump crowd overtook everything and he came to town and blah, 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 blah. And then there's other people that said the Trump uh, crowd was actually not nearly as significant as DeSantis. DeSantis had a great showing at the state fair. And then the Trump people are, no, no, he's uh, uh, a, a nobody. Uh, nothing happened there. It was all Trump all the time. Uh, so we'll get some on the ground truth from our buddy Steve Dace. The other thing that happened now, 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 Steve Dace, who's on The Blaze, right? So he's got a national presence, a nice size show, uh, cut his teeth in Iowa politics. He was in sports broadcasting first, and then uh, he's guy's brilliant, a great political analyst, cut his teeth in Iowa politics, and then got involved. And if you're going to get uh, any known person in Iowa on your bandwagon, especially before the Iowa caucus, which will be in January, I believe, uh, it's Steve. It's Dace. So on Friday, he came out and flat out endorsed DeSantis, which just sent all kinds of people into a tizzy. And uh, so I want to talk to him about that as well. So we'll get Steve on the show as soon as possible to talk about what actually happened in Iowa from somebody that lives there in Des Moines, as opposed to listening to uh, shills on the right or the left or the pro-Trump crowd or the pro-DeSantis crowd. We'll actually try to ascertain the truth. Shocking goal, I know. We're so radical here on the, on the Steve Noble Show, but I'll let you know as soon as we can get Steve, Steve on here, we will. Uh, this was pretty wild. And then, by the way, when we come back from the commercial break in the next segment, I'm going to work through this story in the Associated Press about the U.S. suicide rate. Okay, so if that's uh, not a topic you want to listen to, I'm going to talk about that as we get into the next segment after the commercial break. Okay, Uh, so you can uh, bow out if you don't want to hear that, which I certainly understand. Uh, I saw this story and this seems to be getting worse. Squatters. Do you know what a squatter is? These are basically homeless people that just kind of move in to an apartment, a house. And in this case, it was a 10 million dollar, 11,000 square foot, multi-million dollar Hollywood Hills home. And uh, they trashed the place. Uh, blank, rich people. They, they, they spray painted all over the place. Police were called to the residence on Thursday over a report of a woman screaming. Soon found the home was trashed with graffiti, broken glass, feces, and destroyed furniture. It's an abandoned house, an LAPD officer told KTLA. They're just trespassing, squatting. The screaming was somebody. I think they got bit by a dog. The sprawling home was previously listed for $10 million and includes a home theater, blah, 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 blah. Three people, two women and a man, were cited for trespassing. Uh, and so this is becoming more and more common in L.A., uh, probably in places like San Francisco, Portland. And the, the homeless problem is, is only getting worse. And uh, that's part, part economy, part the fact that we no longer, uh, quote unquote, put people away. Remember those days when we had mental institutions and people and the vast majority of people on the street have serious, serious mental illness. And now some of them, and I know a few of them, I was in a Bible study with one of them, just that they choose that. They they can survive on the street. I, I had a friend that, one local guy here in Raleigh, got him a job, got him a place to live. That lasted about 30 days. 
and he just didn't want to do it. Uh, his life was on the street, and uh, he was able to do it, and that was his choice. And you got to respect that with people. And then there's other people that they they're not they're not thinking like that, not not at that level. And we used to just pick people up and put them in institutions, right? And I think we need to probably uh, invest in doing that again. And not just to lock them up, but to get them some help. But there are those that don't want help. That's just the life they achieve. They, they have chosen for themselves. And you gotta, you got to allow that. But it's such a huge problem. Uh, and when you get into this, trespassing, thankfully it was a house that was nobody was living in. But you're gone for a week or two on vacation. You come back, people in your house in these cities. That's a very real possibility. Okay, very difficult subject when we come back talking about suicide. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. That was uh, Nordstrom in L.A. that I mentioned, somewhere between sixty dollars and $100,000 worth of stuff. Video shows mobs steal up to $100,000 worth of items at Nordstrom in L.A. A mob of criminals is what the California police called it. Well, you got to be careful of that. You don't want to label people. I'm just so tired of all the ridiculous sensitivity about these subjects. A group of people entered the Westfield Topanga Shopping Center in L.A. around 4 p.m. and stole between sixty dollars and $100,000 worth of merchandise. It's just crazy to watch this. And in a lot of these places, uh, they're not, and in some places by law, it's like if they're not stealing more than $1,000 worth of stuff as an individual, you can't stop them. So there's no enforcement mechanism, and you just let it go. So like in San Francisco, uh, you go into your average store, especially closer to the downtown area, and so many things are locked up. Hey, can I get some help? I need to buy some razor blades down here for $8. So they're locked up because there's so much theft going on. And this is overall the degradation of the culture, which I'll get to in the fourth segment with this really powerful story in the National Review about the King's College in New York City, uh, which our daughter went there for a semester. I knew the former one of the former presidents. A buddy of mine has worked at King's. I did some radio stuff with King's College while our daughter was uh, getting ready to go there. And when she went there, so I know the King's College uh, fairly well, and, and it's not necessarily the story isn't the, – it uses the closing, the eventual closing down of the King's College, but goes into a much bigger uh, subject about just passing down Judeo-Christian Western civilization thinking and education or the lack thereof. And, and as we do this and as you get the disintegration of the family, and oftentimes when you see these big mobs going into stores – they look to be predominantly African-American people. Then you got to look at what's going on in the African-American community. And you got to go deal with those, like the breakdown of the family, which the government has contributed to. And uh, it's it's brutal, but people don't want to talk about it. It's generally when you see this, you don't see a mob of uh, Caucasian kids or Hispanic kids. Usually it's a mob of African-American people. And you go, okay, well, that's not true of every African-American. It's just like not every Muslim is a terrorist. Not everybody, not every homosexual in America was going crazy about the marriage amendment stuff. You can't group everybody all the time. You can't do that. It's wrong. You don't have the knowledge unless you're God and I'm unaware of it. Then you have all knowledge. Okay, then you can start speaking about entire groups of people because you know them all individually and personally, but you don't. So you got to be careful with that stuff doesn't mean you shouldn't talk about it. When I talk about it and make those observations, I'm like, please, Lord, help help people help the African-American community, which is mostly a, a problem, I think, in the home. 
and the lack of fathers. Listen, 42% of kids nationwide are growing up without a father in the home. You think that has ramifications across every aspect of society? Education, culture, uh, work ethic, behavior, drugs, uh, criminal activity, all of it. Of course. Of course it does. Which is why that's a playground for Satan. But then you got the government, which has incentivized the breakdown of the family. And it's particularly the black family because of socioeconomic situations, uh, individual personal sin, lack of accountability. It's, it's horrific. And as a Christian, we sh- that should be something we talked about this last week on Theology Thursday. That should be something we lament over and pray about. And, and I'm like, I don't think there's anything I can do personally. I think it's, I think it's mostly a, a lack. We need this is one of the saddest things about Obama's presidency. I think he had an incredible opportunity to really try to deal with some of these huge challenges in the African-American community. And he just became another politician. It's really sad. But you see things like this, just pray, especially pray for all the kids involved. And thankfully, it looks like nobody was harmed. But pray for all the people involved that do this. Because, man, they need redemption, restoration. Okay, I mentioned I was going to talk about this. I saw it in the Associated Press and just wanted to uh, get it on the table for all of us to pay attention to this subject of suicide. Unfortunately, I'm sure some of you, this is very personal. And if you don't feel like, Steve, I can't listen to this. I completely understand. Uh, But this is just out in the Associated Press. About 49,500 people took their own lives last year in the U.S., the highest number ever, according to new government data posted Thursday last week. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has not yet calculated a suicide rate for the year, but available data suggests suicides are more common in the U.S. than at any time since the dawn of World War II. Quote, there's something wrong. The number should not be going up, said Christina Wilbur, a 45-year-old Florida woman whose son shot himself to death last year. Experts caution that suicide is complicated and that recent increases might be driven by a range of factors, including higher rates of depression and limited uh, availability of mental health services. A recent John Hopkins University analysis used uh, preliminary 2022 data to calculate that the nation's overall gun suicide rate rose last year to an all-time high. For the first time, the gun suicide rate among black teens surpassed the rate among white teens, the researchers found, which is... Fascinating and sad. U.S. suicides steadily rose from the early 2000s until 2018 when the national rate hit its highest level since 1941. That year saw about 48,300 suicide deaths, or 14.2 for every 100,000 Americans. The rate fell slightly in 2019. It dropped again in 2020, and then, of course, COVID hit. But in 2021, suicides rose by 4%. The largest increases were seen in older adults. Okay, so we need to pay attention. Most of us, you, me, most of us listening, watching, are quote-unquote older adults. And you think suicide, and I think my initial response would, would tend to skew younger, but the largest increase is in older adults. Deaths rose nearly 7% in people ages 45 to 64 and more than 8% in people 65 and older. Oh, man. White men in particular have very high rates, the CDC said. Many middle-aged and elderly people experience problems like losing a job or losing a spouse, and it's important to reduce stigma and other obstacles to them getting assistance, said Dr. Deborah Howery, the CDC's chief medical officer. Amen. There's There's no shame in getting help. A counselor, a psychiatrist, a professional, somebody like that. 
There's no shame in that. I used to think that way. And then we've had a Christian counselor that's been a huge blessing to our family for the last, golly, uh, eight, nine years. He's been on this show many times. And at first I'm like, love Jesus more, man. No, that that's so simple minded. Of course, that's always true. But it's but uh, personal situations and struggle and strife and mental illness and depression and anxiety, all that stuff. That's real. As real as whatever the physical ailment, cancer, diabetes, whatever. These things are real. Now, there are some people where it's like, okay, this really is a faith issue. But for a lot of people, that's a part of it, but that's not all of it. And so I, so God gives some to be teachers, gives people wisdom. Come let us uh, reason one to another. We serve each other in the body of Christ. There's no shame in needing help. We all needed help. That's why Jesus came. And we still need help. Despite the grim statistics, some say there is reason for optimism. The National Crisis Line launched launched a year ago, meaning anyone in the U.S. can dial, remember this, 988, okay, to reach mental health specialists. On your phone, just dial 988. It's like 911, but 988 for mental health. We should probably all write that down, 988 to get mental health help. There was more than an 8% drop in suicides in people ages 10 to 24 last year thank the Lord. That may be due to increased attention to youth mental health issues and a push for schools and others to focus on the problem. I think there's probably a highlight there because of what COVID did to our kids. Thank you, federal government. Thank you, Fauci. Thank you, Trump. Thank you, all the people that threw us all under the bus on that one. But even the smaller number masks tragedy for families, of course. So you have that number. Remember that, 988. 988, that's all. You just dial 988, and that gets you to... Uh, mental health specialist, 988. Remember that one, 988 for you, for anybody else, 988. And then, of course, you've got the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, the hotline, 1-800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-8255, or the website suicidepreventionlifeline.org, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And let's all... Let's all be aware. Let's pay attention to one another. Let's ask questions and let's not be satisfied with being blown off. Somebody you know and love, if you, if you know them a decent amount, hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, follow up on that. Oh, well, what do you mean? Sounds like you're not all right. What's going on? And then, especially my fellow males out there, uh, maybe just listen. We try to fix everything, right? Maybe maybe just listen. But pay attention. Ask. Stay involved. And people, eh, I don't really want to talk about it. Are you sure? Yeah. Well, okay, well, would you please let me know if you do want to talk about it? I mean, I, I'll listen. I will. I'll listen. You have my cell number? Right, just text me. If there's anything. Or, you know, if, if you need help with anything, please let me know. Let's stay involved. Let's pay attention. Let's, let's, let's love our neighbor as ourself. So I, I just thought I needed to say that stuff and to just remind us all. This is real and it's getting worse, especially for older people. So let's stay involved in one another's lives. 988 is the number you can just dial. Dial 988 to reach mental health specialists. I'm glad that's out there. Suicidepreventionlifeline.org 
or the hotline 800-273-8255. 800-273-8255. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. I wanted to walk you through this uh, article. I actually sent this article out to all of my families that are uh, that have students with me at Noble U, which starts tomorrow. We've got uh, U.S. history, world history, civics, and Christian ethics. So I teach all four of those classes. Four in person at uh, Casa del Noble. Four in person at a really awesome uh, local church here in the Raleigh area that has just a great homeschool community. And a great uh, co-op program there. And then all four are also online. So uh, the education thing, when I ran into this article not that long ago, it came out on July 30th, I, I recognized it at first because uh, I know the King's College, King's College in New York City, the King's College in downtown New York City, right down there off of Wall Street, okay? And unfortunately, they announced uh, recently they were canceling all of their fall semester classes, laying off most of the faculty and staff, and uh, struggling to recover its recently revoked academic accreditation. The whole thing's falling apart, okay? This was a uh, Manhattan, probably Manhattan's most prominent Christian evangelical college, and its future is uncertain. So I, at first I noticed it because of the King's College. Got to know about the King's College years ago from a friend of mine who was doing work with them. Uh, the president of the, of the college at the time had come to Raleigh. They were recruiting. I met him, our daughter, uh, her oldest daughter was interested in the school. She loves Manhattan. She lives there now. She loves the big city. And the King's College, small, man, like four or 500 students. Really intense, classic, uh, classical kind of Western uh, cultures, education, intense, small classes. The community, they have like a, a house system there, kind of like the fraternity system. But Clara Barton, and, and based on Christian uh, heroes of the faith, and so, I mean, it was impressive, but expensive right down there, literally right around the corner from Wall Street. Okay. Amazing place. So I got to know about the school and the president and had uh, members of the staff and, and teachers. And I did some radio with them for about nine months. Our daughter was there for a semester uh, and then came home and then eventually ended up at NC State. It wasn't a great fit for her uh, and no college is perfect. But the whole point of this article is not really about the King's College. It's about a much bigger, a much bigger story. And I, sh I sent this to all of my families at Noble U because I wanted them to understand why I do what I do when it comes to education and this radio show as well. And this is a, this is a, a challenge, personal challenge for me, a lifestyle choice for me. But I think this is something we all need to consider. Uh, what's your place on the wall with this particular subject? So here's from the article. Nevertheless, the decline of King's College is bound up not only with the ills of higher education, but also with the deeper cultural crisis affecting America and the West. If the college does fail, its failure cannot be blamed exclusively on the impact of COVID-19, rising crime rates, declining enrollment, or tangle-footed leadership. Something much deeper and more debilitating is at work, which is why I wanted to go through this with you. A collective indifference about the remarkable inheritance of our Judeo-Christian civilization and our moral obligation to preserve it for each generation, our posterity, as our founding fathers called it. On the political and cultural left, this is by a Joseph LeConte was a former teacher at King's College, by the way. This is at National Review. On the political and cultural left, this indifference am uh, often amounts to contempt. Western civilization, we are told, is a conceit. 
Our traditional beliefs and institutions are merely a social construction, tools of the oppressor against the oppressed, right? The whole woke thing. The United States, as the lead country in the West, is the embodiment of all of its failings. Thus, courses on Western civilization have virtually disappeared in higher education, and the history of the United States is retold as a tale of unremitting racism and exploitation, unless you take my classes. Then I tell you the truth. Imagine that. Through a biblical worldview. NobleUseSchool.com, by the way, which is not why I'm doing this story. It is not only the radical left, however, that ignores our inheritance in the ideals and institutions of the West. Today, there are voices on the political and religious right that seem unaware of this legacy and its impact on the American political order. National conservatives, among others, portray the liberal tradition from John Locke to James Madison as morally toxic. In doing so, they fail to grasp how Christian ideas about freedom, forgiveness, charity, equality, and justice were able to permeate our culture and how easily these ideas become corrupted or discarded. Ironically, both the progressive left and the new right failed to comprehend the crucial educational task of transmission. As the American founders put it in the Northwest Ordinance, this is in 1787, how a territory becomes a state, by the way, quote, religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind, schools and the means of education shall forever be encouraged. Did you catch that? We need to transmit a Judeo-Christian worldview, religion, morality, and knowledge. Uh, because good government and happiness of mankind uh, is tied up into it. If you don't have one, you don't have the other. This helps to explain the plight of the King, King's College. Its students tend to be risk takers, and the setting in New York City separates the wheat from the chaff pretty quickly. Since its move to Manhattan in 1999, the college has sent its graduates into fields of law, journalism, finance, business, education, and the arts. They are some of the most entrepreneurial, mission-oriented young people you will ever meet. Some, not all. And their sense of vocation, refined in the crucible of New York City, is nurtured in an academic environment where the cultivation of the mind alongside the cultivation of Christian character is taken seriously. Like my daughter, our daughter, loved reading Alexis de Tocqueville. The whole thing. When he came to America, she loved it. Thus the question, where are the conservative and Christian foundations and philanthropists who understand the critical role of education and cultural renewal? No kidding. Where are they investing their treasures? More and more of it is going into political campaigns. The idolization of politics now cuts across partisan lines. That's so true. In the 2020 presidential election, listen to this. For example, conservative and Republican donors gave the Trump campaign a staggering $1.96 billion into what effect? Meaning across all ways to, to uh, fund trying to get re Trump reelected, okay? Almost $2 billion. To what effect? Just 1% of that amount, nearly $20 million, would reopen and reinvigorate the King's College overnight. 10%, roughly $200 million, could create a flagship Christian research institution with state-of-the-art facilities in New York City. It would establish a beachhead of intellectual and spiritual sanity in one of the most strategic cultural centers in the world. See, the liberals and like the Chinese think in terms of decades or even centuries. Most of us think in terms of four years. Who's the president? And so we're willing to put $2 billion into winning the White House and next to nothing into transmission of Judeo-Christian thought via education. Do you get the point here? Often it requires the perspective of those deprived of the achievements of our liberal democratic tradition to appreciate its unrivaled importance to human flourishing. Yami Park, who escaped from North Korea at the age of 13, describes her bizarre experience after arriving in the United States and moving to New York City. 
She wrote an essay. She explains that she wanted to free herself of the mental outlook of the typical North Korean, the habit of not being able to think for herself. But she found that the New York Times, the Washington Post, National Public Radio, and her education at Columbia were of no help to her. Why? Because of the drumbeat of self-loathing that she encountered in the liberal media and in her circle of progressive friends, she identified the Western canon as her lifeline. Quote, it wasn't the education I received at Columbia or following the American press that helped me. I was reading old books. I started to believe, as I still do now, that the only way to think for yourself is to ignore the mainstream media and largely forget the daily news cycle and connect instead with the great minds of the past. Amen. Parker's talking about the humanities, the disciplines of history, literature, politics, philosophy, economics, the arts, and religion. These subjects once formed the lifeblood of our great academic institutions. They were the safe harbor where the most important questions could be asked and debated. Not anymore. More than 40 years ago, Charles Malik the Lebanese diplomat and Arab Christian saw it clearly. He used it a challenge to evangelicals during a speech at the dedication of the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College. Quote, if Christians do not care for the intellectual health of their own children and for the fate of their own civilization, a health and fate so inextricably bound up with the state of mind and the spirit in the universities, who is going to care? Right, he sees it, he understands. The mind being shaped by universities and the public education system. And even Christian schools and private schools to that point. Who are playing the game and just want to get your kid into the best possible college as opposed to teaching your, your son or your daughter how to think biblically, rationally, in a classical way. To care about the Christian university is to care about our young people, which requires a supreme commitment to caring about the future. Historically, this was the motive force behind the transformation of the Greco-Roman world by the teachings of Jesus and his disciples. Tom Holland, a classical historian and the author of Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World, has acknowledged his own surprise at, quote, what it was that made Christianity so subversive and disruptive of the ethical norms and assumptions of classical culture. Quote, so profound has been the impact of Christianity on the development of the Western civilization that it has come to be hidden from view. Right? You can't unbake the cake. There are in the West today powerful forces dedicated to keeping Christianity's impact hidden in the shadows. But the Christian Academy, like no other institution, can chase away the shadows with light. The light of young minds illuminated by truths that have been built and sustained our civilizations over the centuries. A civilization that does not care very much about these things gets exactly what it deserves. Bada bing, bada boom, as we used to say in Chicago. That's the deal. That's why the liberals, the progressives, took over education starting in the late 1800s. And that's why I'm going to stay in the education game as long as God allows me to. To teach young Christians how to think, how to engage the actual history of the nation, the world, these subjects, ethics, civics, econ the, the economy, all of it. Through a biblical worldview and asking questions, the good, the bad, and the ugly, if you're a Christian, your ultimate allegiance isn't to the right or the left or the red, white, and blue. It's to Christ. It's to the Lord and Him alone. Which is good for the nation, by the way. But my number one concern is not the nation. It's the kingdom. And that's why I teach. That's why I'm trying to reach as many young people as I possibly can. Pray for me, please, as my classes at Noble Youth start tomorrow. NobleYouthSchool.com if you're interested. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward. Hey.